for me to look at a $3,000 Gucci dress, that's insane. Like I would never in my life pay that. That's absolutely stupid. I would never do that. But when someone does it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests. This episode of On the Horizon is sponsored by DMCA Force. DMCA Force is the authorized DMC agent for the largest online creators and the platforms that they monetize. DMCA Force protects models, musicians, writers, videographers, artists, and tons of other creatives publishing their works online. With DMCA Force, you get 24-7 automated monitoring, flagging, and removal of stolen and pirated content. They use metadata and keywords relating to your work in collaboration with search engines to remove even the 10 to 15% of content on ghost sites that can't typically be scrubbed from the internet. They even offer the ability to fingerprint content and digitally watermark it as an added layer of security to protect the art you work so hard creating. Join DMCA Force today. Welcome back. This is season two, episode two. two. Yes. Yeah. So we were talking last time about how we are not only making sex workers in this season experts of their own experience, but we are making them experts of other things as well. And today right. we're talking money. Yes. <laughs> negotiating value. Yeah. Who is more qualified to negotiate their own worth than a sex worker? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when like, because sex workers, our products are literally ourselves. ourselves. So <laughs> when you combine those things, when you combine like desirability, and money, mm-hmm. um, two of the like most powerful things yes. in our like culture. Um, who's who's better to talk about that than sex workers? Literally, literally. So we we have an awesome set of guests coming on. We have Lola Divina. We have the incredible Edible Aquinos. Well, that title is, like is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Ali Eve Knox. Yeah. So they're all coming from different places. Yes. So Lola Divina is a wrote two like incredible like sex work books the first one was on care -care, Mm self-care and the second one was on sex work and money so we're going to talk to her a little bit about like how to um how sex workers have to deal with money what are some of the like things that um trip us up when we're trying to negotiate our own value and like how we navigate like the market as sex workers when like we throw ourselves into a market. Yeah, absolutely. And something interesting that that they brought up too was that there's this kind of dynamic of pieces that go into deciding value and how value mm-hmm. plays a part and kind of what you do and don't have control over in terms of negotiating value. So I found that really interesting. 
Yeah, yeah. And then the incredible Edible Aquinos is a burlesque performer Mm -hmm. um, who also runs the Black Sex Worker Collective. And the thing that, I mean, she brought so much insight to this episode, but one of the things that she talked about was how to overcome the devaluing that happens to Black women. So I thought that that was like really important. So she talks about being a dancer, being a performer, um, how uh, sex working dancers, sex working performers um, get uh, devalued more and how to like overcome that Mm -hmm. and not allow that to define who you are. But she also, and I thought this was really important, talked a lot about um, uh, not giving your labor away to friends and family. Yes, which is so important. So important because that's uh, often, even as any business person will also understand Mm -hmm. listening into this is that, yeah, friends and family always think that they deserve your labor for free, which is not the case and should not be done. I remember Um, my grandfather used to always say like, never lend money to family. Like he's like, I'll lend money to other people, but not to the people that are related to me. (laughs) And as a kid, I was like, why? Yeah, it seems strange. But no, there's validity there. Um, And then last but not least, we have Ali Eve Knox coming on, who's approaching the concept of negotiating value from a FinDom perspective. Yeah, which, which is, is super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a great episode. I hope you stay tuned. Every single guest on this episode has something so unique to bring to the conversation. So stay tuned, enjoy, and we hope you learned something. Yeah, what sex workers can teach you about negotiating value. Lola Davina is the author of the Thriving in Sex Work series. Her latest book is Thriving in Sex Work, Sex Work and Money, a personal finance guide for sex workers. She has spent almost 30 years in and around the sex industry working as a stripper, dominatrix, porn actress, and escort for over 15 years. She earned an MA in human sexuality and an MS in nonprofit fundraising and writes a self-care and wellness column for whynotcam.com. Welcome, Lola. It's nice to see you again. Yes, and nice to meet you. Oh, yes. It's wonderful to be it's wonderful to be back with you, Jesse, and it's wonderful to meet you, Melrose. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be here. Yeah. So can you introduce yourself? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, my name is Lola Davina. I'm the author of the Thriving and Sex Work series of self-help books for sex workers. Um, I myself was a sex worker. I, I, I started out as a stripper, did some... Um, a little bit of porn, uh, worked as a dominatrix for a couple of years, and then I discovered escorting, and that was really kind of where I landed. Um, I escorted, oh golly, I'm going to say about seven years. Um, always important for the way I think about um, my development as a sex worker. I, I worked in my early 20s. I went away for about seven years and came back again in my 30s. And I, I just had such radically different experiences both times, mm. so that I always use those as, as kind of two different data sets. And um, about, oh, it would be about 10 years ago now, I took it upon myself to to write a series of self-help books for sex workers because I was saddened to see that there weren't, there wasn't a, there weren't a lot of books in that space. There's plenty of Mm -hmm. blogs and people, people are doing all kinds of incredible work about sharing their stories, but your old fashioned self-help book that hadn't been done yet. So I decided to sit down to write it. Um, Yeah. Before we go, get into the reason that we had you on, can you talk a little bit about like what the difference was between being y- a younger sex worker, a sex worker on the younger end and a sex worker on the older end? Right. Pretty much night, night and day. Um, mm-hmm. When I started out in my early 20s, um, I, I was taking it very much from the standpoint of it being an adventure you know, sexual adventure, started out stripping. Um, mm-hmm. But at that time, it was just about like the easiest way that I can make money really fast. Um, I said, I, I said yes to everything. Um, and it was, I, I didn't, I had no plan. 
There was no plan. Mm-hmm. Everything was just uh, taking it one day at a time. Um, when I made mistakes, I tended to blame myself. Um, gotcha. And uh, I just, I, I didn't have a cohesive thought for myself around the work that I was doing. It was just like, mm-hmm. um, I, I always used to joke, it was kind of like, uh, it was like a Roomba, you know, like, you know, just kind of like <laughs> banging into walls, you know, like reacting to everything. Um, mm-hmm. In my 30s, the, the context for that is, is I had uh, devastated my finances. Uh, my partner and I, mm. um, we'd gone into bankruptcy. I was leaving her. We were hundreds of thousands of dollars still in debt. And my life had just exploded. And so when I went back into sex work, um, first of all, it wasn't as much fun, mm-hmm. right? It was very much more of a job. Um, I did it because I needed to make a lot of money fast. And that was the best way that I knew how to do it. But the other thing that I always had in mind was, is that I can't burn out doing this work. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to take care of myself. Um, that that um, I need to have goals. I need to have plans. I need to have a clear vision of what I wanted my business to look like rather than just being like, mm-hmm. oh, well, well, whatever I do is fine. And if I get fired over here or if this shitty thing, you know, whatever, just like bounce, bounce, bounce. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not going to work this time at all. In part because just, right. I was older, I had already um, owned and run businesses. So I had a different viewpoint. But also there was this just this feeling of like, this work will gut you if you don't yeah. If yeah. you don't, if you don't run it in a way that really genuinely works for you. So that was the, the, mm-hmm. the mindset that I had the second time. And so while I wouldn't say that it was as much air quotes fun, mm-hmm. um, I found it to be much more satisfying. I found it to be much That's more so gratifying. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I felt I just, I just had some a much more mastery of what I was doing. Um, a lot of the insecurities about being older, you know, 10 years older, Boy, the money was still there. The clients were still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so a lot of that anxiety had gone away. Um, so, yeah, it was just a very, very different experience. I'm curious. Did you? So, you mentioned running businesses. Did you run businesses between the time you escorted younger, or did sex work younger, yes. and did sex work older? Did the fact that you ran businesses between maybe shape the way you approached it when you went back into sex work? Absolutely. I think it was um, very, again, very much more looking at in terms of, um, I want to have an, you know, almost, almost like a business plan. I want to, I want to um, have a certain amount of money that I know that's coming in. I, I, I want to mm-hmm. um, only, um, well, that time I was escorting, we did everything on the phone. Um, uh, you know, I only want to turn on my phones for a certain number of hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to set boundaries and limits around things. I'm going to charge more for stuff I, you know, I don't like, or that stuff that exhausts mm-hmm. me more. I'm going mm-hmm. to cultivate long-term clients. And um, there's going to be certain ways that I manage that. Um, and again, I just cannot impress upon you when I was in my early twenties, it was just like, it, like there was just nothing going on in my head. It was just, it was just like if the phone <laughs> rang, it rang. If it didn't, it didn't. If if somebody wanted to see me right now, I'd see them. You know, like there was no no boundaries and no plan, no long term plan. Stake, so the stakes are different though. Like when you're older and you've had yes. a bankruptcy and yes. like, yeah. I mean, I think it's like it's interesting to think back, like because it's not as if like there's nothing going on because there's something wrong with you, but there's nothing going on because the stakes are just lower. Like there's less 
that well, you're trying to yeah. like crawl out of or whatever. You're also yeah. like missing a whole like part of your lobe. So you're like, I know, it's well, just- which I, I'm always like, yeah, I mean, this whole notion of like, you know, lots and lots of people in the sex industry, you know, not to be ageist and this is, but it just, you know, it just younger people don't have the life experience. Maybe they don't have the yeah. full brain development. Um, there's people talk to you differently. They try to negotiate with you differently when you're younger. Yeah. I certainly noticed that. Um, but the thing mm. that I really was aware of too is, is that a shitty call could ruin me for days. Mm. It could take me offline for days. Um, just the impact of having, if something went wrong, I just didn't bounce in the same way that I did before. Um, and just mm-hmm. knowing that if I, again, if I wanted this work to be sustainable, I was going to have to cultivate a clientele that didn't drain me. Um, and um, so, yeah, which was not the way, again, I, I just, when shitty things happened in my 20s, I was just kind of like, oh, well, uh, it should, you know, bad, bad <laughs> things happen, you know, and then, yeah. and then I, I wouldn't know how to take care of myself after something terrible happened to, yeah, to you help know. you recover. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see exactly. that. Yeah, I see that when you speak, because obviously we want to talk to you about kind of the concept around um, negotiating value and what people learn from sex work that aids in that process, even if people Mm -hmm. listening aren't at all involved in sex work. Um, And something that you touched on about how people negotiate with you differently when you're younger. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on that? Because I find that very interesting. And that was a struggle I had. I launched a marketing company in 2016 when I was still in my 20s. And when I had done that, like it was so hard to get a meeting or to be taken seriously. And this was in my mainstream work, whereas like I'm very comfortable negotiating my value in sex work. But having to take that mainstream was really difficult because they just looked at me as this kid running around not knowing what she's doing. Right. So like what happened? What was that like? When I think about negotiating value, especially within the sex industry, I think about this kind of iron triangle, right? On okay. three sides. Uh, the first side is ourselves. And this is what we think of ourselves in terms of, of, of what our, how much time and how much effort we put into doing the work, mm-hmm. um, what we need in order to get paid in order to make the work feel worth it to us, um, mm-hmm. what we need to to earn in order to live the lifestyle that we want, right? So we have right. our own mm-hmm. ideas about value and 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 that the relationship to the time and the effort that we put into the work. Okay, that's one mm-hmm. side of it. The second side of it is is your client or your fan or your sub or your customer, whoever that is, right? They're bringing their own ideas about a certain. Mm-hmm. They pay a certain amount of money. What kind of experience do they want to have? Now right. that may be based totally in fantasy. That might be based after years and years and years of interacting with people in the sex industry. Um, it may be uh, based on their very you know, highest hopes and dreams. Um, mm-hmm. It may be uh, a very practical, you know, um, uh, what you call it, uh, when um, transactional idea about this money mm-hmm. and what kind of experience they're going to get. Um, but the money and the value that they're seeking, the money that they're bringing and the value that they're seeking is their own story. That's their own jam, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third leg of the triangle is your competition. What mm-hmm. else is there mm-hmm. out there? Right? Um, if you're in a if you're in a big giant city, or, you know, metropolitan mm-hmm. area, and you're seeing clients in person, you might have pretty much a, an endless supply of clientele that's going to run through all the time, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't like somebody, mm-hmm. you're just like on to the next. If you're geographically much more isolated or, 
you know, if you're not working online, you might have far fewer choices in terms of who you're right. negotiating with. Um, but we're, uh, but at all times, kind of floating out there is the idea that there are other people who are doing the work that we're doing, and they're charging different amounts for it. Right. And kind of understanding what our, again, I'm going to use air quotes, air quotes, our value is against mm-hmm. the competition. Right. So unfortunately, we only have control over one of the legs of that triangle. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. negotiating with ourselves. So, um, and what I, I, you know, relating this back to age, what I really noticed when I was a younger person is, is that when I, certainly escorting, stripping, pro-dom work, I, I, you know, I didn't do a huge amount of work online. Um, when I was much younger, uh, people felt that they could really hardball me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just this, and I, you know, some of that was just the power dynamic against the people who have disposable income and are purchasing services from sex workers, and they see somebody in their twenties and they think, well, you know, this is a situation where I can I can exert some of my some of my power. Um, So, uh, and then I also know for myself that as a younger person, I didn't have um, a, a way of articulating back what my what why I charged what I did right but yes as an older person um and again somebody who had worked and had had a business and and had thought about this a little bit harder um I had more skills for asking for what I wanted and, and standing firm on those things uh explaining why I charged what I did and I also mm-hmm. had more resilience when somebody just told me no to my face that it's not that that, yeah. that I air quotes am not worth it. Um, yeah, yeah. It was just easier for me to say then great, it looks like you're looking for something else. And I wish you luck in finding it. Um, right. I would make room mm-hmm. for the people who are looking for me. Yeah. So I mean, um, I, all of this is really interesting, particularly like thinking about it from, um, from different positionalities, too. Because I think one of the things that I hear you saying that I think is interesting is that it's not even just like a matter of experience. It's also a matter of like how you're taken up. So like, even though like you came back as an older person and like knew how to run a business better and things like that, um, it was also like how people came at you that was different, um, regardless of all of that, um, from the time you came in when you were younger till the time that you were older. And like, we've been talking a lot about this, like on the show, but, um, Oftentimes, when sex workers give like advice to other sex workers, they're giving it from their own position, like, oh, you just have to like do things consistently and then think or, you know, whatever the advice is, Um, you just need to make sure you log these particular hours, you just need to make sure you're on these advertising platforms. And that may work very well for like you, but that's not necessarily going to translate to somebody who's a different age, a different race, a different body type, a different orientation like, has different time yeah. has different time or health um yeah. you know uh you know has you know i'm trying to say has the time you know same time and energy um to give to it mm-hmm. right you know yeah. you know consistent whenever i hear consistency my always my little feelers go up because it is excellent yeah. advice and it is also excellent advice that many 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 people are not in a position to take um right. so yeah. um you know both can be true at the same time um mm-hmm. many people with health and you know mental health issues or you know caring for kids or or family members or whatever it might be cannot chronic be consistent. health issues chronic chronic health. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah so um 
Yes. So I don't know if there was actually a question there, but I definitely wanted to agree with what you said. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I, th- I guess, I guess it wasn't really a question. It was more like what I'm hearing from you, like, um, I feel like piggybacks off a lot of what we've like said on been, the show yeah, and yeah. what we've been talking about, kind which is that theme. like, um, it's hard to talk about like a model for sex work because there is no one size fits all that yeah, works. No, yeah. No. Yeah. And all, and people just need to be, when they give advice, they just be, need to be mindful when they say, this is what worked for me, you know, take what works mm-hmm. and leave the rest. Um, and that's why I think it's so wonderful. And what, you know, what you're providing is, is um, a, a wide swath of voices. People work lots of different ways um, mm-hmm. so that hopefully you know, people can see parts of themselves mirrored there. You're not going to, it's never going to be perfect. It probably will not yeah. be perfect. But um, yeah, you know, as I say, you know, take what you can use and leave the rest. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and going back to like the notion of self-care that you started with, you know, um, I think that for any like longevity in this world, like, you need like I do think that we need to figure out what we need to do to take care of ourselves in order to kind of rise above all of that because otherwise it's too much. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a kind of something about building like there's drawing boundaries, but then there's also like building armor. So those are like mm-hmm. two things. Like these are my boundaries, this is my armor. So when I get that message that is unsolicited business advice, my my armor is going to auto write back. I'm not here seeking your business advice, but if you'd like to email me, here's the appropriate way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Let it there and it'll die there. Right. And just say, yeah. you know, and, 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 and if you, well, and this is kind of, this is, you know, another order, you know, another um, higher order of thinking, but it's also something to keep in mind is, is also just spend to, to spend a little bit of time with when you have the time and the space, not when you're actively working, but maybe this is, mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's something you take to therapy, you take to your best friend, or you take when you're out in a walk in nature. Why does that bother me when somebody does that? What, what, yeah. what, why does that, why does that sting? You know, what is it? Is it because it makes me feel like I'm not worth something? Or does it, do, does it just, am I just, you know, do I have a history of people being rude to me and I'm just tired of mm-hmm. it? You know, like what, mm-hmm. what is the story there? And just even having a little bit of self-awareness as to why, not just like, oh, the world's full of assholes, because we can focus on that. You know, you can you can focus on that. That's entirely true. But there's all <laughs> kinds of dickish behavior in the world that, that doesn't bother us at all. Right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of, all, people pull all kinds of dick moves and you're like, oh, well, that's clearly your problem. You know, you're, yeah. Ha- yeah. you're having a bad day or <laughs> you don't deserve to be, you know, like, you know. Yeah. You know. But the stuff that really gets under our skin and, and that, you know, when we're talking about value, I, know, I do know that for myself, like that was one of the things where it really, really bothered me when people tried to, to negotiate me down. It was like, well, you know, I, I think I'm worth it, you know, like, you know, don't, don't undermine my, <laughs> my self-confidence, you know. And so just spending some time with why it hurts, just, just, just having a right. little bit of self-knowledge around it. And then you can take, you know, then you can do yourself soothing your self-care around that. Right. Yeah. 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 I think um, there's something about like, I, th- I think for a lot of people that there's something about like the nature of sex work itself that makes like this correlation with like money or with worth even like more pointed or like yeah. uh, more personal or something like that. And I was wondering if you wanted to speak to that. Well, I mean, I, I mean, two of the greatest um, 
the two of the most potent ways in our society that we measure, again, I'm using lots of air quotes for this audio um, format, for, of a person's worth, air quotes worth, is their sexual appeal and how much money they yeah. have. And then, you know, yeah. kind of that the crossroads there of, um, you know, and for many of us, sex is not something that's fully examined, We, you know, and part mm-hmm. of that, I think, is good. I don't think we should examine everything about our sexualities. But um, for a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of there can be a lot of undigested or, or, or you know, kind of primal emotions around our sexuality. Mm-hmm. Same is true with money. We have huge yeah. unspoken um, reactions to money in our culture, you know, envy yeah. and, and desire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, what, what are we worth? Or, or what is my life going to look like, you know, because mm-hmm. of the money that I have or don't have? Um, yeah. And so um, these exchanges, you know, um, which often on the surface can seem just pretty trivial or, or, or pretty surfacey, always carry the potential of having this much heavier weight behind them because mm-hmm. we're dealing with yeah. operating the realm of both sex and money. Where can people find your book and you? They can find my books wherever books are sold. Um, you can certainly learn more about me at loladavina.com, L-O-L-A-D-A-V-I-N-A.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, although I'm not real active these days. Um, I am hoping that maybe I'm going to get back on that horse. I noticed that. I don't see you as much days. these days. No, I took a, I took a hiatus. Um, I just actually stopped doing um, all social media and all public stuff. This is the first podcast I've done probably in more than a year. I was delighted. I wanted to talk to you again. Um, I'm also getting back to I'm going to uh, the plan right now is to put a second edition of the workbook to incorporate the, um, the, oh, the cool. money book. Um, and hopefully around on around the horizon, maybe not this year, but next year, we'll, I'm going to be uh, working on the next uh, next book in the series, which will be sex work and relationships. Oh, oh so exciting! That. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting. That's so. amazing. Yeah. Great. Well, cool. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Yes, thanks so much. It was wonderful meeting you. Oh, it was such a pleasure. You too. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It is free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language, to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel encouraged and supported instead of policed. The incredible Edible Aquinos founded the Black Sex Worker Collective in 2018 in New York City. She is an international burlesque performer with 15 years of traveling the world entertaining audiences. She has a Master's of Fine Arts from Goodard College. Her current work involves dialogue on racism incorporated with food. She's a misandrist and a self-proclaimed stone-cold bitch. Her pronouns are bitch, whore, sex worker, and king, among others. Welcome. We are happy to have you on On the Horizon. Yes, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And you're joining us from Germany, huh? That's where you are now? Yes, my part-time home of many is I'm trying to find many places around the world to live. Oh, yeah? Where are your other places? Are you still, do you still have a base in New York? I don't have a base in New York. It's just too expensive. 
but I am looking to have like a base maybe in Florida um, mm-hmm. where it's much warmer and I'm looking into uh, like maybe Ghana oh, wow. and just, just trying to find different places because I clearly I have a problem. <laughs> What's the problem? You can't stay put. Problem? I can't stay put. Like I was so excited because I was on the road for three months, and I was so mm-hmm. excited to be back home. And I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stay home for a while. And like one day here, I was like, well, where can I go next? <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I have a little bit of wanderlust, yes. you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I just got back from Vancouver, and I was like, that was great. And then I was like, okay, so <laughs> next Vancouver is so fun. I love Vancouver. It was amazing. It's so yeah. beautiful out there. Yeah. yeah so can you introduce yourself? Yes. For people who don't know that much about you. Uh, I'm the incredible Edible Aquinos, um, founder and ED of the Black Sex Worker Collective. And nice. I'm a glorified stripper as well, <laughs> as a glorified stripper. And I do other kinds of art, branching mm-hmm. off into other kinds of art. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot. You do a lot of burlesque too, huh? Yeah, I've been on hiatus for a while, but starting um, next month, I'm going to be performing like 40 times in the month of April. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, got to do it. It's a living. So I'm just going to go do that for a bit. um, April through early May. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens after that. Maybe some rich prince will come along and allow me to do a show in his native country or something. Yeah, yes. you never know. Cool. You could just put that out into the universe. Yeah, yeah. manifest. I'm trying to manifest that right now, actually, because there's no, there's no like, there's no kind of performance like that, like in Ghana, for instance. And I'm trying to mm. find the time to pitch to some places to see if I can get a show going out there. Wow, have you been there? Yeah, I just came back from there. It was like one of my oh. last stops, so I just wow. got there. That's, that's amazing. I love that you say pitch too, because that that's a great segue into what we want to talk to you about. Because, <laughs> it's um, true. Yes, because as a business person, like that's what you do. You are pitching yourself to whatever you have planned or whatever you're trying to achieve. And our topic for the episode today is about negotiating value. So we kind of want to talk to you about that. And even in something like when you're pitching an idea to someone, that innately itself has value yeah. that you have to negotiate. Like, why is this valuable for them to want to do? So right. I'd love to hear more about that even. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things I want to say before we even get started is that we're coming from like the perspective that we have is that sex workers have a lot of valuable yes. uh tools mm-hmm. <laughs> and so skills. I, skills and tools and so yeah can you tell us a little bit about like what you've like learned along the way about like pitching <laughs> and negotiating tours mm-hmm. and things like that I mean this is such a broad question Ooh, yeah. you can start wherever you want <laughs> oh I've learned so much like one of the things I've learned is to definitely like never um don't not only not not only not undersell myself, but really, I, I hate to say, I'm trying to find a different way to say, like, you know, know your value and in charge double. Yeah. Um, and also don't do things for, because don't do things for friends. I don't do things because mm. of, oh, this is a friend and maybe they did me a favor or I, you know, I want to do them a favor too. Um, it just doesn't work out in the end. So mm. really and mm-hmm. truly like, I, I love to support my friends, but it's like I, I still have to charge them, you know, exactly what I would charge if they were anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk? A, I think that's a really important point. Do you want to talk a little bit about why it's important to charge your friends the way you would 
other people? I mean, well, you know, it's business. And what, what ends up happening when you try to do somebody a favor is that mm-hmm. you could totally end up getting burnt in the end, mm-hmm. especially like me being black and um, not really being valued in the in the, the performance industry, mm-hmm. um, even though we have a lot of like buying and selling power as black performers on stage. Um, you know, you, you'll have you'll have people who in the back of their minds, they they know this, you know, like, okay, they're, they're black. And even though they do have a lot of buying and selling power, they're still not really worthy of the price that I would pay to like a white performer. And I'm like speaking mm-hmm. from experience. So, you know, you go, you try to yeah. do your, you do somebody like a, this favor, like, okay, like, um, I like this person and I need to like, for instance, it, like when I was coming to Canada one time, I was like, oh, I need to come to Vancouver anyway. Um, so yeah, I'll just do this, this show for the, for this cheap price, even though I'm like the headliner. You know, yeah. and mm-hmm. then it just comes, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to do somebody a favor because it's kind of something that you need as well. But why not just get what you absolutely should get out of that situation? Yeah, right. If you don't, mm-hmm. and it happened to me, there, people are just going to end up treating you like shit. So you might as well just get the professional rate and keep it business and yeah. keep the, yeah. the, the relationship separate so you don't get burned. I think yeah. that too, friends and family are, and this isn't to sound like cruel or, or crass, but like, usually those are the first to expect discounts or expect like you to you know, like value yourself less yeah. or like give them yeah. a deal. And I find that in any business, when it comes to friends or family, like it's hardest to get them on board to view you as a professional at what you do. Like right. mm-hmm. no matter really what the thing you do is, is yeah. that been your experience as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's why I usually don't try to do things uh, with friends or family. Mm-hmm. It's like, because when I tell, uh, when I tell anybody my rate, they immediately, you just don't hear from them again. And this is like coming from a black performer perspective. I'm yeah. not sure that this happens to white performers um, or other performers that are seen, that are seen as more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah, I just try to completely avoid that at all costs and just, Cause you know, they, they're going to hear my rate and it's like, Oh my God, like that's how much you charge. And why should I have to pay that much? And I get that shit from strangers, you know? So yeah. imagine if somebody like, you know, a friend, like I've had friends ask me and I tell them my rate and they're like, I know you're not going to charge me that much. It's like, uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't I like, you're asking me to do my thing that I my do. work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are there areas and parts of your work in which it's easier to like um, be firm about your rates uh, than in other areas? Like are the cultures around um, charging for your work different? You know, I, f- I feel like the, the easiest the easiest part of my work to negotiate is actually in escorting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it's like in escorting because I don't there's a lot more control there as an independent um, person working by themselves where I can set these rates and. You know, I you, we know what's happening there. Like it's you know these two people, yeah. depending on how kinky you are, it's like <laughs> these two people, you know, coming together, yeah. and, you, and they already know what it is, and there's no yeah. there's no talking it down. There's nobody else around. Yeah, like, there's no mm-hmm. other competition around, so to speak. So they can't come to me and be like, you know, um, well, this dancer, like they, I mean, they could be like, well, that escort there charges cheaper, but there, there's none of that interference. Right, right, right. That private yeah. negotiation. Whereas in burlesque, there's a whole lot of um, there's a whole lot of performers, right? And there's a whole lot of hungry performers mm-hmm. that will um, definitely be quick to grab up a job that's really yeah. le- really low rate. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot more like competition in in that way. Yeah. Um, so like for me, escorting, especially being that I've like I've escorted for several years. I, ha- I haven't escorted mm-hmm. in, in several years now, but I escorted for several years and had to learn a lot. And that, I think that's really yeah. what taught me about the negotiation. Actually, it's the escorting where it's like, OK, um, I'm not going to be able to do that other job for cheaper because if I were escorting, you know what, that would be the price and that's the price. There's there's no discounts on that. Um, So escorting definitely is easier for me and taught me a lot about just like standing firm in my rate because when you you start to be wishy-washy about how much you charge for something, that's when a lot of problems start to arise. You have to really say it and be convicted and mean it. Otherwise, people can sense that Mm -hmm. and then they think there's room for negotiation. Yeah. Interestingly, I found that the people who are willing to pay like higher prices also require less of you. Yes. <laughs> like it's yeah. the people who are trying to get something for low amounts of money that are also yeah. like, yeah, that's yeah, up, like so much of your time. And that's, you're like, yeah. how can this person who just gave me a thousand dollars be like so easy? And this person who gave me five dollars, like, <laughs> right. my DMs, like all the time. Right. That's exactly <laughs> what ends up happening. So it's like you might as well just yeah. charge them a higher rate and you know, all those and just expect all these other things to come up. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just not it's just not worth it. You know, they don't pay as 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 far as burlesque performers go anyway. We don't even make nearly as much as we should. But I also mm-hmm. know that they're they will pay certain white performers a lot of money and I've got to come mm-hmm. in um as a black performer like fighting and unwilling to accept, you know, less. Um yeah because I mean it's beneficial right now anyway for a, for a lot of these productions to have my black ass in the show anyway so yeah. it makes them look better than it, it does more for them than it's probably gonna do for me yeah um, so yeah. I might as well just like try to make uh, what I can out of it yeah do you consider things like that when you're negotiating your value for like a burlesque show for example like the fact that you know that this company or this club I don't know if it's a club or how you prefer this establishment needs you on their stage do you consider that when you're negotiating with them or do you think that their understanding of that when they're negotiating with you no I definitely think about how much more that they they need me you know I think also too probably the reason why it's also a bit harder in like uh with like performing versus um escorting is that I do know depending on the show right I do know that there's the I know how the finances work and it's very difficult for the producers to make money. Like they, a lot of them don't have a, a, a lot of financial backing, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's just really not the same. Whereas if I'm working with an individual client, it's like, listen, if you saw my rate is 500, why the fuck are you calling my number if you can't afford it? You know, because yeah. you must have 500 somewhere just rolling around. Whereas yeah. like in the burlesque shows, I, I know mm-hmm. how this works. I know like even if they get funding, just how complicated it is to try and like, um, you know, divvy out that money to different, all these different hats. There's just so many things Mm -hmm. going on. But sometimes, I mean, for a long time, at least for the past year, I just wouldn't even take certain gigs. I'm just like, I can't do it. It's like, it's not enough money. I'm not, you know, I I just need to get more money because I, they do, some of them will like crack and give certain performers more money if they ask for it. So like, why not give it to me too, you know? But (laughs) how do you think that you got like, if going back to what Melrose is talking about in terms of like newer performers or newer sex workers, mm-hmm. like what, how do you get to the point in which you like recognize or you're confident enough to ask for what you think you're worth? Oh man. Like, or how did you get there in your own life? Oh, it took getting burned so many times. 
Uh-huh. I had to get yeah. burned so many times. I had to get played out so many times to the point now, like I'm getting ready to go back into work. I'm just like, this is what my rate's going to be. And if they don't want to pay it, that's fine. It's probably going to be harder for me to get clients. And I'm, I completely understand that. But I also don't want to see a lot of people anyway. I don't have the yeah. energy. I, I do not like men for the most part. You know, <laughs> I mean, I love them, but I don't like them. They're, they, they're just so disappointing. So it's like, <laughs> I only get like two clients a year that are seeing me maybe, you know, uh, a, f- a few times or maybe once mm-hmm. a month even it's it's much better for me than to try and like see a bunch of people at this lower rate because as you said like they become yeah. a headache you know they want too much when mm-hmm. they come in but it took it took getting like really burned and played because I, when I first started in mm-hmm. escorting I didn't have any guidance so I yeah. was kind of just like Ooh, just like you know <laughs> dating clients yeah. sometimes allowing them to short me and it just you just end up you find out the hard way I had to find out the hard way that's how it yeah that's mm-hmm. how it, it panned out you know and we're already in sex work um people don't want to pay sex workers anyway right mm-hmm. um you know so now I'm at the point because I'm an older woman now I'm at the mm-hmm. point where I'm just like okay this is what it's going to be and if they don't want it that's okay I don't have to see yeah. you but I also have other options to make money so yeah. that helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely helps to have all the ways to get money in your pocket. How do you deal with, um, I mean, one of the things that I think comes up for sex workers, like you just said, people don't want to pay sex workers, but part of it is that they get like wrapped up in what it means that they're giving you money. Like, how do you deal with it when clients um, have complicated feelings about like, paying i mean they can just get the fuck out of my house <laughs> okay i mean fair <laughs> enough. Just simple. like why do they have comp- because they don't have you know the, the society has taught men that the you know um that when they value something that they're going to pay for it right mm-hmm. yeah um mm-hmm. so if you don't value me just like just like don't see me like i yeah. <laughs> like i just you know it's just yeah if you don't want to pay then you just don't value it you don't value the time because those same people that don't want to pay for a sex worker of their rate are the same people that will go out and spend so much money on something else far yeah. less meaningful um Absolutely. and i and i understand that dynamic and i also understand that you know um there's also this issue with women making money and not wanting to pay women mm-hmm. and not wanting to see us like um, succeed or not, and, and, you know, or, you know, not these, just these men, these misogynists really at, at the core, just, you know, mm-hmm. don't want to, they want to hold on to the money and see how much they can get away with. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want you to get away with this. You need to just pay me what it is. And yeah, yeah. there's no, yeah. Blurred, no blurred lines when that happens. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you think is important, like in relation to this topic? Yeah. I, you know, I think um, there's a lot to be said about um, when as as activists, as black sex worker activists to remember mm-hmm. that there's a, a lot of people that are a lot of positions that are being made in activism um, mm-hmm. that sex workers actually are responsible for. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of changes that are happening in sex worker rights right now. And we're still in many parts not sitting at the table and not in leadership roles yeah. um, um, in in these places, in these political spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and when um, when we when we're like uh, bucking up on like academics or like universities might approach us or mm-hmm. whatever the case might be, whatever, like whatever roles that may be coming up, that is important that um, not only do sex workers know that they should uh, be charging top dollar for it, because we really mm-hmm. are the ones with all the work that we've been doing responsible for all these new spaces being created, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So ask for this rate and those people that are there in those positions of power, when they come to us to try and get work, that they make sure that they take a pledge to make sure that we're making as much money as they do. Yeah. Because what uh-huh. ends up happening a lot is that they come to us and they want our expertise and they want the this and they want the that. And they're just like, here's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're making $80,000 a year or whatever, thousands of dollars yeah. to be at maybe the same event that we are at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like my good friend PJ said, the, what, what, the, what's the, 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 the mantra is that nothing, uh, nothing about us without us. And, and PJ is saying, um, without us, you're nothing. Yeah. <laughs> because Love without that. us, yeah. without us, they're actually nothing. The, all these new positions that are being created in mm-hmm. government and, and, and in all these like technology spaces, some of them are bringing us in. But when we go in, we should know that we should not be making less than somebody doing a similar job than us. We actually need to yeah. ask more. And those people that are like trying to get us in these positions, whatever it is, mm-hmm. even if it's a writing job, I need to be making as much as the next person is making. Yeah, that's a great note to end on. Where can people find your work? Oh, boy. Well, I've got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash Aquinos, where I just talk about all kinds of stuff. Or, you know, you can see me ranting on Twitter, my personal business. I'm I'm pretty much Aquinos everywhere. Okay. A-K-Y-N-O-S. N-O-S, yeah. Instagram, Aquinos. They keep blocking my account. So it's just like, you got to like fish and see which one is up this time. Um, so yeah, I'm everywhere. And, and then the BSWC pages. And yeah, I'm I'm all over the web as per usual. Or just go to Aquinos.com for all my links. Perfect. Great. Thank you so much. And it was really great to talk Wonderful to you. Wonderful to Thank meet you. you. <laughs> nice to meet you too. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Today's episode is sponsored by ePlay, an adult live streaming platform creating an online ecosystem for creators to engage with their fans that's easy, exciting, and empowering. At ePlay, you earn 80% of revenue on everything from live streaming to private messages with your fans to your sub-club membership fan site. ePlay even allows you to earn money while you sleep with offline tips. Do what makes you excited, take control of your business, content, voice, and freedom as a creator consider joining ePlay today. Last but not least, Ali Eve Knox is a content creator, fetish performer, artist, and crypto cutie. Hey, Ali, how are you doing? Hi, good morning. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, My name is Ali Eve Knox. I'm a fetish performer and content creator. I've been in the industry since 2014. Nice. Um, I do a lot of fetish stuff. Um, and, and just like all of us probably on the show, I do the camming and the clips and the sexting and OnlyFans and all of the things. Um, yeah. We juggle all, <laughs> all of the things here. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to. That's just what yeah. you have to do to survive in this business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Very true. Really. So one of the things you do, though, like with all of the things that you do is like financial domination, right? I do. I do a lot of FinDom stuff. How did it's you my get favorite? It's my personal favorite. I have my own personal money kink, so uh-huh. it kind of works. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Tell us about your money kink first. Let's start with the money kink. <sighs> okay, so I have kind of an unhealthy relationship with money. Like in my twenties, um, I was just broke. Like I was in grad school. I had gotten divorced. Like the stories that we probably both have. Yeah, and I yeah. have the same story. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you know, it, like I, I, my whole life changed. 
um, when I started sex work. It was like I could, instead of working for a corporation or for a university or whoever I was working for at the time, like busting my ass, not getting recognition or not getting the pay or, you know, not getting promotions or the opportunities. In sex work, it's kind of different. Like if you work your ass off, you can make your own opportunities. You can make your own traffic, like everything. You can see everything. So if I'm like, oh, I sold a bunch of these, this content. Well, I made that content. I did that. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a different catalyst. So once I got into sex work and I realized like, oh, if I just cammed for eight hours a day, every single day, like I could pay things off and I could afford to to travel and I could think about having a home and things that I couldn't do when I was in my twenties. Um, so my relationship with money kind of changed because then I became like, I want more. I'm, I'm more, I'm more greedy. And I guess this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. I just kind of realized like how valuable I was, like what I had to offer to people and what people wanted and that they would pay me for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of became this thing where I got off on it. Like when people would pay me or I would make a lot of money or if I would rank or if I would get a good tip or a really cool thing, it was like, Oh, I'm turned on. I want to do this. Like, this is what inspires me. And, you know, this is like the catalyst to the, to the different area where I'm going next, which was fetish work. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, so you say you got into fetish work. Can you talk a little bit about like what, for, for people who are less familiar with it, what financial domination is, but then specifically like what that looks like for you and your fans? Sure. So financial domination is essentially taking a dom- dominating finances. But in in my opinion, or the way that I run it, I run it a little bit differently. So some um, some models make it out there and say, "Pay me, fuck you, pay me." You know the, the yeah. standard, "Fuck you, pay me," um, and yeah. that works for some people. Mine was more of like a psychological and a training to where I don't care about the five hundred dollars shoes. I want to be in the estate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play this long game. I'm going to create a community. I'm going to create a relationship with them. And there's going to be a, um, a, some additional things that go along with it. So it'd be like training for, you know, this goddess worship. So I'm this goddess and you should treat me as such. You should address me this way yeah. and you should expect this out of me, that kind of thing. Or even just like, you need to go, you need to stop going to Starbucks every morning and spending $9 every single morning (laughs) on something that's really bad for you. And you could be spending that, you know, take that $9 and invest it in something better. So maybe it's you working out so that you could, you know, get this second job or you can feel better about your body or you can whatever, because that's going to translate into income for me longer. (laughs) You're going to live longer. You're going to be able to work more or you're going to be able to make smarter decisions, that kind of thing. So for me, it's been more So you actually like... You actually like work with them to make them better too. You're like, you need to do this and not this. For sure. Because if my clients are the best, they, you know, them, they're going to be able to give me what I want. If they're just, you know, if they're high and they're broke and they're sad, like, I don't want that. That's, they're going to come to me with their issues and their trauma and their fucking bullshit. Like, I have no interest in any of that. (laughs) I want your money and your happiness. And like, I want you to share the cool things that are happening with you. And so Mm -hmm. I know it sounds kind of silly and trite when I say, yes, I'm helping them too. But like, that's a real thing. We all know this as sex workers, like we provide an an excellent service, be it, you know, companionship or even just education in this way. Um, Yeah. When I'm doing any kind of fetish work, because I dabble in it, it's not like my main, you know, lane, I would say. But one of the things that I loved about Finnam specifically was like, 
the overhauling part of the finances where you're like telling someone to budget and then the rest of the money goes to you or like rehauling their finances because they have this tribute for you monthly or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that having to do that with clients in sex work, it was made me very aware of like how I budget my finances and like how I take care of my stuff. Is that what you found as well? Absolutely. Like if I were to walk into a Gucci store today, like for me to look at a $3,000 Gucci dress, that's insane. Like I would never in my life pay that. That's absolutely stupid. I would never do that. But when someone does it, you know, <laughs> really but I think like what, what you were saying, and I think that what you would kind of get at too, if, if you, when you get to experience this more is like, it's also about the control or the yeah. power exchange or the yeah. fact that they're, you know, sacrificing for you to make things better. So there's a whole bunch of layers here where they're not just giving you their money. They're giving you their time or their effort or, you know, there's there's a lot more. And we all know this having relationships with clients, particularly long-term clients, like we really benefit from this too. Money yeah. is, also, is great, but we also get to benefit from a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting too because I feel like on sex work Twitter, like you know, um, it's easy for me to tell. And I was thinking about this in, with you, like it's easy for me to tell like who the fans of people are because, like you know, who the who the big supporters are. It's yeah. like um, they become like kind of part of your brand, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do, and you know, they help. They do, they do wonderful things. They do really sweet things, and they do things for your family or your dogs or when you're yeah. bummed or when you're sick. I mean, those are the type of people that stick around for you forever. They become part of your community. They even become part of your family. Like, you know, when you're having a bad day, you text them and they give you like advice or the friendship. And it's yeah. not yeah. like a, mm-hmm. they're paying me, so I have to do this performative bullshit. It's this is a genuine relationship that we have with right. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. some of them just value us more than others. And we like them a lot more. <laughs> yeah. But, and that's kind of like the theme of this, this episode too, is just all about negotiating values. So I'm wondering when you're like in these conversations with like new clients, particularly like, how are you negotiating your value to be like, no, I'm worth this. And this is how this works. Yeah. I think the first thing is I don't negotiate anything. Like I have a rate, you can't meet my rate. Well, that's tough. Like if you, if you used to get my custom rate when I was camming seven years ago and you wanted that, that's tough. Or if you saw me somewhere and you saw me do something that I don't really do now, that's not really on my brand. Well, that's tough. Like I form some really (laughs) strong boundaries and those boundaries have kind of shifted. They shift if I, you know, when OnlyFans went down and I had to start doing things that I didn't really like, but I knew would sell or... Um, you know, I've, I've formed my character or my personality is different. So I now enjoy things that I used to not. Um, yeah. You know, so that sure. just kind of shifts. That's going to shift as we're in anything like that. Um, but I always stood firm to my boundaries. So I'm not doing anything I'm uncomfortable with. I'm not doing anything degrading or hateful. I'm not going to, you know, pull in a third party, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I've always had my my own like morality and my boundaries. Um, and, right. and one of them is my rate. So if you can't yeah. meet my rate, then that's tough. Um, you need to yeah. save or you need to find a way to make my rate or you don't get me because we're a luxury. And that's just yeah. the truth. Mm-hmm. Like people mm-hmm. can live without us. They can do without us. They can, you know, find other ways to fulfill whatever the hell they have inside of them. Yeah. So if you can't pay us what we think we are worth, <laughs> then to yeah. me, that's not a client that I want to have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like um speaking of like relationships, one of the things that I really like about your branding and you're the only person that I see do this is like 
um, you kind of brand around like, I'm your ex-wife or like your future ex-wife. Like you do the whole ex-wife thing. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk about like why you do that and like what clients get out of that. Yeah. So I think when I started camming, I was like, and it lasted like three weeks. I was like, oh, sweet girl next door. I was so bubbly and fun. And I was just like, oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you all. Whatever. It didn't last long, right? It wasn't sustainable yeah. for me because it wasn't me. So I yeah. decided that my character was just going to be me except a little more um, because yeah. that's what was going to be sustainable. <laughs> so at the time I was divorced and that was kind of my story. It's like I had picked up a shit ton of divor divorce debt. I had gotten yeah. grad school debt and I got into sex work. So that was kind of like my, what was how, who I was. What was true. Yeah. What yeah. was true about your life. Yeah. So for me to be ex-wife kind of made sense. And then I went, <laughs> then I had another failed marriage because this is what I do. I do lots of failed marriages. <laughs> and so it just kind of stuck. Um, yeah. but I do, I do certainly run off of that. And my relationships are kind of ex-wife. Like, uh, the, I'm in Spank House now and I call him my ex-husband. Like all the <laughs> delivery people, all the contractors, like all the people that come through the house, they, they think I'm his ex-wife, which is just a really strange thing considering <laughs> I, I'm here all the time and whatever. But it's like, that's the relationship that I have with him is my ex-husband. Yeah. Like it's very, our relationship is very much like that. So for me, it was kind of like my, an extension of myself as my character but yeah. one thing that I never really thought about is it was going to pull the people in that were looking for that. They wanted an ex, they wanted an ex-wife or they had an ex-wife fetish or they were into things for their ex-wife and they never got to resolve it. So I pulled in yeah. all of these men across the board that were like looking for long-term relationships. Well, that's kind of my clientele that I was looking for anyway. So it just kind of worked in branding and I just kept rolling yeah. with it. And people think it's funny. And now I get to do things like I like it. I train think wreck cool. on Maine. You know, I get to go on my Twitter and just fucking break down about my my breakups or people that I'm dating and my people that I'm dating and my exes like fucking hate it, but I don't care because like literally fuck those assholes, like all of them. <laughs> almost all of them, almost all of them. Um, <laughs> but it became part of my brand and people loved it. Like they were like, oh my God, we can relate with this. Or yeah. you know, and in and in sex work, I think there's a lot of times where like women can't relate with us. Yeah. And I know that my friends would start to relate with this. They were like, oh, I would love to be able to talk about my ex-boyfriend doing this bullshit or whatever. Yeah. And it was kind of like empowering for women that I'm friends with that aren't in the industry because they were like, I want to be able to say these things or I want to be able yeah. to. That's so interesting. I didn't think about that part of it. And maybe, but, but it's funny that you say that because now that I think about it, I was like relating to you as an ex-wife, yeah. you know, like, and I was like, oh, I love that ex-wife branding, but I am an ex-wife and I have to deal with my ex-husband like all the time. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah. like, it's interesting, like the idea of like putting that at the, the forefront. Front of the brand. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, do you, with your FinDum clients, do you charge any of them alimony? Because that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> alimony yeah. Too. I mean, I make a ton of videos about alimony, about how I'm going to, you know, cuck them and then leave them, but they don't want to pay because I'm going to take everything because I don't just take half. I take all of it. I mean, obviously, yeah, okay. <laughs> or ruin their lives or, you know, put out all of their text messages about all the weird things that they're into or whatever. <laughs> I run on that storyline a lot for sure. Um, but my main one that I'm going off of right now is I want to be put in wills. I want to be in wills across the board. So anytime anybody's dying, I want to have been in that will. So right now I'm pushing that hard that they need to be putting me in their will or they need to adult adopt me because that's a thing. I don't know if you've heard of adult adoption. I didn't adoption. know that. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. <I> adopted. <laughs> I'm learning so much. This is great. This is great. <laughs> but just like scattered ex-husbands. Yes. Yeah. All over Whatever. the place. I mean, yeah. my, my relationships are just, you know, mostly trash. 
So why not make some content and and make, you know, use this as marketing and make some money off of these things that are just absolutely awful. Um, Does it feel cathartic to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So much. And the fact that I can like bastardize this and make money off of it, first of all, is like fucking huge for me. And second of all, (laughs) that I can laugh at this because that's Uh always been my thing. It's like always like whatever trauma. It's just funny. I I have dark humor. Like, let's just giggle it off. And like I said, my exes hate it, but also fuck them. Um, So I just keep running with it. You strike me almost as a comedian in the way that you talk and take your real life stories and incorporate that into your work. And also you're being paid for it, which is all very much in line with a comedian. And you have this sense of humor about it and how you kind of navigate the situation. You really very much strike me that way. Like it it resonates off you. I feel like I'm talking to a comedian at the same time as a sex worker. It's very cool. Yeah. And that's kind of been the branding, right? It's like, that's part of the ex-wife stuff. It's like, I'm just going to go talk about stuff and I'm going to let it all out. I'm going to be messy and whatever. And people start to expect that. So when I break down and I dip for a week, nobody's like, oh my God, is she okay? It's just like, oh no, she's good. She'll be fine. She'll be back. She'll have vids. She'll be, you know, this is good. This is what she does. And they've, they've been trained to know this about me. Um, and, yeah. and kind of respect this about me. So it's not a thing where they're like, oh, I've got a muter because she's going off again. It's like, oh, well, let's just kind of enjoy this ride. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. I think like um, to, it's it's like I think it's important to think about like how sex work. And this is what I'm getting from your interview. How sex work can be like what you want it to be. So yeah. like, like if you want to be like super sweet, like girl next door, you can do that. If you want to be like crazy bitch ex-wife, you can do that. If you want to like um, be like mommy, uh, you can do that. You know, what, whatever, whatever role it is that you want to play, there is somebody out there who will like give that back to you. Oh yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the more niche, you know, it's going to be the less people, but it's also like, maybe you can explore these things inside yourself or they change. Like I know probably we can all tell you that our brands have changed throughout the years. And that's the really great thing with sex work is like, this is our narrative. We can tell this story and people can go along with us. And as long as we can be sustainable or believable or likable or marketable, um, that's what matters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it kind of extends even out of sex work. Like, particularly to women, like we can be whoever we want to be. Like we we don't have to stop. Like if we work in tech and we want to put pictures of our boobs out on Twitter, like we can do those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Who is stopping us? We live in a world now to where people are becoming more accepting or we're forcing them to be more accepting or we're finding the people that are more accepting. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's just the thing, but we can be empowered as women to be whoever we want to be. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah, I do. I actually think that's like a good place. That's a great place. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Is there anything that we didn't ask you about that you think is important important. for negotiating value in general? Um, I think it's like important just to keep true to yourself. So if you, Mm -hmm. you know, if you need to pay the rent and you need to run some deals or if you need to, you know, take some Skypes or, or you need to create some content that you don't typically like, like that's okay. Like it's yeah. okay mm-hmm. for you to negotiate your rates or to change things inside yourself. Um, and it, it, well, you know, this world is so changing that we need to do whatever we can do to survive. Right. But mm-hmm. As long as you're like sticking to your own boundaries and you're do- not doing things that you're uncomfortable with, like that's, what's going to be able to let us stay in this industry. Because if you're doing things that you're uncomfortable with or pushing yeah. your own boundaries, like this, it's not going to work. It's not going to make this pleasurable. And like, we don't have to yeah. live this way. So right. just, just find the way that, allows you to do this yeah. long term. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. 
Yeah, I think that's really important. So where can people find you and tribute to you? Yes. (laughs) You can find me on all the things I'm on Ali Eve Knox. Um, Everything from there, from all my socials you can get. I'm pretty easy across the board. Um, You can find my art stuff or my crypto stuff or my weird stuff or my content all through there. Okay. It was so good to talk to you. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests. Music.